The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Well, it's just another Thursday in Washington Commander's Land. Get the chalkboard out at the construction site, Tom. Just, <laughs> just erase three days and write zero. Um, by the way, we got a really good review from Jaden. Uh, Jaden wrote, first found out about Kevin and Tom in 2020 and have been hooked on listening to the podcast ever since. I'm 21 years old, so I haven't experienced the glory years, as my grandparents call them, but Kevin and Tom have given me a greater insight into the team's winning history. This podcast uh, thrives when Kevin has Tom, Chris, or Doc on. Definitely recommend this podcast to everyone of all ages. And with that, I've got nothing else for you, boss. A close quote. Thank you, Jaden. Uh, that's very nice. Uh, you know what, Jaden? Yeah. Tell all your 21-year-old friends about it. Yes, that'll keep it going even longer than we wanted to do it. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, thank you. Rate us and review us on Apple and Spotify. Five stars, if you don't mind, on Apple with a quick one to two sentence review is always helpful. Uh, we rank very high on the Apple uh, charts consistently, especially in the football category. Um, and if, if the, those great reviews keep coming and the great ratings keep coming, it just helps us sell more advertising so you can hear more of me talking about Magic Spoon, <laughs> which, by the way, I really do love that cereal. And, Tommy, I've seen their ads on television now. Um, they're starting to oh, advertise on TV. I can testify that you, that you- I can testify that you do love it. I do. Absolutely. I just like cereal in yes. general. I like munching on cereal. Okay. I don't eat any cereal. Did you ever eat cereal? When I was a kid, I did. Rice Krispies, very bland stuff. Rice Krispies, Corn Flakes, and Frosted Flakes. That was it. Okay. Well, those are three you know popular cereals. When I was a kid, I definitely yeah. got into the big-time sugary cereals, Lucky Charms, Cocoa Puffs, um, but we also uh, always had Cheerios in the house. And, and actually, I would probably tell you that when it comes to non-Magic Spoon cereals, Cheerios, Honey Nut, and Regular probably are always in our house somewhere. Well, let's face it. My, like, my wife when likes it comes the to have it cereal. Really? Yeah, she likes Mikey the, likes it cereal? Yeah, the my, Mikey likes it? Let's give it to Mikey? That's true. He'll like it? That's life. That is. That yeah. is. You're right. That's Mikey. Yeah. 
you know, let's face it. If you had little kids, Cheerios were a must. Must. I mean, I mean, I remember my wife would go out shopping on a Sunday afternoon. I'd stick my son in the high chair uh, by the TV, fill a tray with Cheerios, and it would carry me because he would pick them one at a time meticulously. It would carry me through a whole NFL game. Oh yeah. Um, that's, that's easy. Uh, Cheerios and chicken nuggets. Uh, those will work. Um, all right. We've got one of those days and it's a busy day because it's also a game day. I did. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you because I saw this on your Twitter account right before we started. You went to Hamilton the other night in Baltimore. So yes, you were right. It is overrated. Okay. Good. But here's the thing. I shouldn't say that. It was. It's ambitious. It's creative. I think. I think it. It. But it's not made for me. Okay. I mean, it's. It's not. It's not produced for me. I mean, I was there with some younger people, and they loved it. So I mean, I, I really shouldn't diss it at all. Uh, I always enjoy the experience. The Hippodrome was a great place to watch it. In Baltimore, I mean, I always like a, a play when I can walk in with a 16-ounce can of Bud Light and sit down and watch it in my seat. <laughs> so you walked <laughs> so, in? Oh, well, you bought the Bud Light you, there. You didn't bring yeah, it in, in, were, in, a, in a knapsack. No. Okay. <laughs> no, but you were allowed to bring drinks into the theater, so that uh, that made it good. And, and but you know, I didn't. It was like the wire on 78 RPMs. I couldn't understand. Most of what was being sung. Yeah, I think that's an interesting take because it definitely. Pro- I think the production of it probably is intended to skew towards younger um, people, but I don't know. It's just that everybody raved about it, regardless of age, regardless of you know demographic. It just and and I went and I was expecting something great. Maybe it was the expectations, but. It wasn't for me uh, either. Um, so it didn't end very well for you. It didn't end very well for me. And it certainly did not end very well for Alexandra Hamilton. Um, but no. will it end that way for Dan Snyder? You know, will it? Is there potentially an Aaron Burr somewhere among the other 31 owners <laughs> that will take them on in a duel? Oh, man, this story, people, that came out uh, this morning, and it came out while I was on the air during doing the radio show, so I, I did not have a chance. It's a very long story um, written by Don Van Natta Jr., Seth Wickersham, uh, Tisha Thompson, John Kime participated in it as well. But, you know, we're going to get to this. I, I just – you're more qualified, I think. Uh, I think you are. I don't know. Maybe I'm selling myself short on this. Um Don Van Natta Jr. and Seth Wickersham are excellent investigative reporters, right? Don Van Natta is a Pulitzer Prize-winning investigative reporter. He cut his teeth on the news side before he started doing investigative sports for ESPN. I don't know Seth Wickersham very well. I've always admired his stuff. But Don Van Natta is is right at the top of the business. Yeah. Don Van Natta. So... This this story. He's written a lot of stuff that could have buried him, and never did. If so, if 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 any of it had not been true. Yeah, I mean, th- this was not you know um, 
I mean, there are websites out there and websites in particular that have, you know, uh, apparently at times broken bombshell stories that haven't necessarily been completely accurate. I'm not going to name names, but this, when I saw Van Natta Jr.'s name on it and Wickersham's name on it, I was like, okay, this, this deserves some real reading. Um, and you know, I, I heard a lot of people saying and, and people uh, texting me saying, is there anything new here? Is there anything? And I'm like, oh, yeah. No, 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 no. There's a lot new here. There's a lot of quotes in here that are new. There's a lot of information that's new. Now, if, you, if you're asking me if this stuff was predictable, that's different. We've been talking about these answers, you know, there for the grace of God go I theory that the other 31 owners fear this guy because he's a litigious, uh, petty, vindictive um, person. And that that's been the reason all along that they haven't gone after him, even though we've known many of us have, you know, through sources that he's not well liked by anybody. Uh, including the commissioner and most of the other owners. They'd much prefer a new owner, but it hasn't happened yet. And it hasn't happened yet for a number of reasons, but this is really the number one reason uh, that, that comes out of this is that, you know, he will go scorched earth on the other owners if they try to force him out. There's so much in here, and we'll get to it, but there's also a game tonight. The the commanders are playing the Bears tonight, Thursday night football, and there was another breaking story that came out this morning. We knew Carson Wentz was on the injury list for a shoulder uh, you know, injury earlier in the week, but Tom Pelissero, who's a really good reporter for NFL Network, reported that Wentz is dealing with a biceps uh, tendon strain, which he suffered in the loss to Tennessee. He's not 100%, but he is expected to start tonight and then try to heal up with extra rest before the next game, which would be a week from Sunday against Green Bay, which, you know, immediately to me says there's a chance tonight that Taylor Heineke will play. Yeah, yeah. If he aggravates the injury, if Wentz aggravates the injury more, or they realize that he just can't be as effective, as limited as his effectiveness has been at times. Uh, now they're lucky they're playing the Bears in, in, in a sense. I don't think it's going to require much to beat the Bears. Uh, and I don't think he'll be under attack because the Bears have no pass rush to speak of. But, uh, yeah, you're right. This really raises the possibility that he's going to have to sit out uh, at some point in the game. I do agree with you that the Bears, by far and away, are going to be, uh, in terms of the defenses they've faced, uh, the weakest defense they've faced since Detroit in Week 2. Um, and that there's a, a real good opportunity offensively to move the football, to run the football, to convert on third downs. They're the 31st rush defense in the NFL. They're the worst third down defense in the NFL. Um, Minnesota moved the ball up and down the field. I mean, Kirk went 17 of 17 to start that game. They were 12 of 15 on third down against them. I mean, my, my overall thought after watching the Chicago-Minnesota game the other day is that I'm more concerned actually Actually, about their ability to contain Justin Fields. Not that that Fields is great, but he is very um, creative at extending plays and hurting defenses with his feet. And he probably had his best game Sunday against Minnesota. They led that game in the fourth quarter. 
Um, and I'm I'm less concerned with them offensively. I think this is a a potential get right game offensively. But if the quarterback yeah, can't make some of the throws that he's going to have to make, um, then you know we'll see. But. You know, I, I do want to mention, because you, you took a swipe there at Carson Wentz, and as you know, I'm not a big fan of Carson Wentz or the trade anyway. And by the way, there's something in that story about the Carson Wentz yeah, trade that we, we're going to get to, <laughs> I, I promise you. Um, but, you know, uh, Ben Standig uh, sent out this thing last night, and I looked at it, and I'm like, you know, my, my gut all along, despite, you know, Cooley, who's done really good film breakdowns, and he's been highly critical of Carson Wentz, highly critical of the offensive line as well, and highly critical of the receivers and Scott Turner as well. Um, and if you missed Cooley's breakdown of just the final three plays uh, from the podcast yesterday, it was great. Uh, and he put a lot of it on Carson Wentz, a lot of it on Wentz. Um, but, you know, I have just felt all along that this offensive line is as bad as any of I, that, that, I've see, that, I, that I've seen in Washington in a long time. I mean, it's an absolute, you know, ole to the quarterback on almost every single drop back, especially with the interior of the line. And in, interior pressure is always the most disruptive. And not that I want to sit here and defend Wentz, because I don't think Wentz has been that good. Trust me. You know, I don't think he's been that good at all, and I didn't expect him to be that good. I expected him to be better than what they've had, but I never expected him to be, you know, the answer, as Dan Snyder told the Maryland Gaming Authority, and Tommy wrote to the Maryland Gaming Authority to tell them, hey, Dan Snyder lied about Carson Wentz. But the offensive line, Ben set, sent this out, you know, per the ESPN next-gen um, win rate, uh, you know, uh, metric, they're 30th in the league in pass blocking. 30th. They're 29th in run blocking in the NFL. Last year, they were 9th in the league in pass blocking. And remember how, you know, uh, what what in the setup to get a quarterback, especially when they wanted Russell Wilson, you know, uh, Rivera was touting the fact that they were the seventh best offensive line in the league last year, despite all those injuries. And I think that's where they ended up in 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 a certain, you know, that might have been a PFF number, you know, seventh best uh, offensive line in the league last year. The the ninth was just the pass blocking win rate, and they're thirtieth right now in the NFL. It's a terrible offensive line. And if you can, I offer something. You may. Okay, uh, I'm just offering this as a possibility. I'm not saying it's an absolute. The pass protection last year may have been so good because the quarterback was easier to no, protect. No, this is this is an offensive line. This is a win rate with the not offensive on, line blocking. Well, this I is get that. Yeah, it's not I about that. The, it's not about the quarterback. Um, and his ability to make the offensive line look better, because at times that's true with a with a mobile quarterback like Taylor Heineke. This is just straight win block percentage. Like, are are you okay. are you getting the job done up front, uh, offensive okay. line against defensive line and pass rushers? Okay. Well, again, uh, my argument holds still that if the offensive line is so bad, you've got a better chance of winning these games with a quarterback who can make plays with his legs and avoid the pass rush. I would see this is where I'm going with this. I'm not saying that a more mobile quarterback wouldn't, you know, be better at times. I'm just saying it's like I've told you a couple of times with this offensive line, I'm not sure who you can put back there and have it work. Now, 
this also speaks to the fact that they've played some really good defensive teams and defensive fronts and pass rushing fronts. You know, they're 30th in part because the offensive line stinks, but they're also 30th because they face Dallas, because they face Philadelphia, because they face Jacksonville, who's rated very high in pass rush. And by the way, they faced one of the best interior defensive linemen in the game, second maybe only to Aaron Donald in Jeffrey Simmons last week who had his way. I mean, even double teamed, he had his way. So maybe those numbers will start to improve against a lesser pass rush like the one they faced tonight. So part of it is just the fact that they've had this run of facing, you know, Dallas's defense is number one in pass rush win rate. Win rate. Uh, by far. it's like, I don't even think there's a close second. Actually, team right. pass rush win rate. Here it is. Dallas is one, Jacksonville is two, and Philly is six. So that's three of their first five opponents. Um, oh, that's not the case with Chicago, though, is it? Chicago is 21st. 21st. Yes. So uh, they've got a chance tonight, a really good chance to get right offensively. Now, it's going to be – I've been looking at the weather uh, in Chicago all day. 30-mile-an-hour gusts, some showers, and temperatures falling into like the mid-30s by the end of the game. Uh, the, the total is 37.5 at my bookie. That's the lowest total by far on the board this weekend. Uh, uh, but I, I kind of think their opportunity tonight is offensively, and I would definitely be in favor – of if he is physically not 100% and it's hurting their ability to throw the football, which Minnesota did at will last week, then I would definitely advocate putting Taylor in. Not as a change for the season, but as a change tonight if he's physically unable to do it. Uh, but, you know, that, that sounds like a defensive Carson Wentz. It isn't because I don't think he's very good and I don't think he's the answer. And I think we're going to see Sam Howell by week 11 at this point. I'm with Tommy on this before the 70% threshold. I'm just saying that it's not fair to just put a hold of this on Wentz because that offensive line is horrendous. Horrendous as a pass uh, blocking unit. And last year's with Sheriff and Flowers – on that unit, it, and, and by the way, when they had a healthy center, was significantly yes. better. Yes, it was. You're right. Um, they've got injuries tonight. You know, in addition to the quarterback, no Logan Thomas, no Jahan Dotson. William Jackson didn't even make the trip. I think we've seen perhaps the beginning of the <laughs> end for William Jackson. That's going to look like really one of does. the worst free agent signings uh, in recent Washington history. But on the game tonight, and let's just finish up this first segment talking about the game, and then we'll get to the Snyder story. Uh, I do like their chances to move the football against that defense. I do like their chances to score more points than they've scored in the last three weeks, 8, 10, and 17 in order. Um, and I think defensively they just have to be aware of Darnell Mooney, who's really good, who will, they'll try to match up against Richard Wildgoose, who's in there as their slot corner. He can play. They've got a very good offensive line, Chicago does. They've got good running backs, and then it comes down to the quarterback. The quarterback's not great throwing the football, but he's really good off schedule with his legs, 
and he led four straight scoring drives, not against a good defense. Minnesota does not have a good defense, uh, but they they went from 21-3 down to 22-21 up, and I love the way the defense has played the last couple of weeks for Washington, but this is more of a Jalen Hurts-style quarterback, and they kind of shut Jalen down a little bit. I mean, and certainly Chicago doesn't have the weapons, but they just have to contain fields from killing them with their legs and extending plays. And if they do that, I think they're going to win the game 22-17. to 17. I, This is the third straight week I've predicted victory. Um, maybe the fourth straight week. I don't even know at this point. Uh, I like them uh, right now to win the game, which means I like them you know, at pick them or minus one or plus one, wherever the game goes off. Not a smell test pick. It's close to one. I almost gave Washington out again. But I like Washington to win tonight, 22-17. to 17. Please, please do not um, take that as a signal that you should wager your hard-earned money on it because I've been dead yeah. wrong about this team all year long. But I'm picking them again. Listen, what I, are you doing? I, I'm picking them for the third straight week to win as well by a pretty close score to yours, 24-19. to 19. Uh, really And close. here's the thing. If they can't, if they can't win here – then the season is over, right? Yeah, I mean, that that's on my notes right now, and that's the last thing. This is must-win, okay. right? This is code red. Yes. I mean, this, this is must-win in the sense that if they can't win this game, then you really can't win a game in the league anymore. One in five, I don't care about what might happen in November and December at that point. It, it, at that point, it's like – Okay, now we know Ron Rivera is able to coach up his team to avoid disaster seasons, um, and you know, and and coach up you know average seasons, seven and eight win seasons. Who cares? I mean, you've got to you you've got to win enough games so that your games at the end of the year are are games to get into the postseason or being already in the postseason. Yeah. And at one and five, they are done. Not mathematically, but in this division this year and really in the NFC, you're going to have to win a minimum of nine games. You're not getting in with eight. And if they go one in five, they're not winning nine games. They're not going to win, you know, at that point, another eight games uh, in what would be their, what, final 13. They're not going eight and five the rest of the way. No chance. So it's over. And then we start the countdown to the next coaching staff and the next quarterback. I think we, we won't be counting down the coaching staff. We may. Who, know, who knows what we're going to get to? Who knows what the fallout is going to be over the ESPN story and other stories I'm sure to follow and the subsequent investigations that are ongoing. So many to count that ESPN in this big story that ESPN did, they didn't even get to all the investigations. <laughs> no, they didn't. They just mentioned on. all of them, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so uh, I mean, what's very unpredictable is is you know what would happen to this coach and uh, moving forward. I but, think because you know it's for he's uh, he'd be owed fifteen million dollars. I think. I just don't uh, think. He, why he would he want to stick year. around? Why would he want to stick what, around the, these people? Million. For $15 million. I know. That's why I think there'll be some sort of mutual, you know, buyout kind of a thing. Ben Standing tweeted out uh, a little while ago, 
Sunday, painful loss to the Titans to drop to one and four. Monday, in quotations, quarterback. Tuesday, <laughs> Tuesday, QB cleanup. Wednesday, benched, hurt cornerback with the second highest cap hit doesn't travel for Thursday night football. Thursday, detail the ESPN report on Dan Snyder's tactics and future. Tonight, must win game. Welcome to the <laughs> commander's beat. <laughs> And, and, oh, by the way, Ben also mentioned, and it's true, I didn't even think about this. Tonight, as part of the Amazon Prime broadcast, we've already heard from Alex Smith this week. We've already heard from RG3 this week. Tonight, we'll hear from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's right. Who's part of the pre- and post-game show on Amazon Prime. So, tune in for that. 24 19 22 17 wow i mean that is a that's eerily um uh, a five point uh, a win with scores that are a little bit strange 22 to 17 24 is a, a good one but 19 man we're on the same page today including on hamilton all right uh let's get to this story uh on dan snyder uh we'll get to that next right after these words from a few of our sponsors We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Kevin, I know we've got a lot to talk about today, but I went to the Cats opener last night. Oh, you did? You know, the cat, yes, they did. They lost. I, I went to the game. They lost. They lost. But but you know what? The cats are now the comfort food for Washington sports fans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because in that arena, it was there were 18,000 people, most of them wearing red, you know, all cheering and excited. Uh, and that's, that's like the oasis that's left for Washington sports fans right now is Capitals games, right. because Alex Ovechkin is still there on the ice, and while they may not be as good as they were a couple years ago, they're going to be competitive, and they'll be a playoff team. But after the game, I went to right down the road to Shelly's back room. The best. I wasn't alone. There were a lot of, a lot of Capitals fans at Shelly's back room, drowning their sorrows in, in a cigar and some of the quality whiskey that they have. They have a great selection of whiskey at Shelley's, in addition to a great selection of cigars. And I saw a friend of mine outside. It's like 11 o'clock at night, and it was a beautiful night last night. Oh, gorgeous. And people are, are, people are outside on, at their outdoor cafe right outside, you know, laughing and smoking 
again, it, it is such a, a, a feel-good place uh, to go. Uh, and when you're inside, and I've pointed this out to people many times, the air quality for a cigar bar is, is unbelievable. They have a great ventilation system that combines smoke removal, continuous fresh air, every 90 seconds, and odor control. They are not a smoke-filled room. I might want to point no, that out. Not. So I'm asking all of you. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're taking a Caps game or any kind of concert or event uh, down at the Capital One Arena and you want to look for a place to relax after the game, go to Shelley's. I mean, you'll find people just like you there uh, having a good time and enjoying themselves. It's right on, you know, the 1300 block of F Street. Yeah, it's such a nice place. And I'll be going again Tom's like, I'll be going Norm, again Tom's like Norm from Cheers. Oh, you're going to go there tonight to I'll watch the game? Again. Well, because I teach tonight, oh, so yeah. after I teach, I'm going to head over to watch the game at Shelley's. Is it one of those situations where when Liz, your wife, is looking for you, she just calls Shelley's, and you know somebody just comes over and hands the phone to you and just says, it's your wife again? <laughs> Remember? It, been, it, it, it did happen once in the old days. <laughs> okay. It did happen once before the age, I mean, before we were all so connected you know, and easy to reach. Yeah. All right. Well, it's a great spot. And, you know, I, I would just say for those of you that, you know, uh, think of, of cigar bars as just these, you know, smoke hazy filled places, that's not what Shelley's is. They have an incredible system that really clears it out and clears it out quickly. All right. Um, let's get to this story. For those of you that don't know, and you're hearing about it for the first time, ESPN.com had a story that became a headline story for them this morning, written by Don Van Natta, Seth Wickersham, and Tisha Thompson. Don Van Natta Jr., you know, as Tom said, Pulitzer Prize-winning investigative reporter. Uh, Seth Wickersham's done a lot of good stories um, for ESPN. And, uh, you know, our good friend John Kime was a contributor to the story as well. The story was titled, Sources, Commander's Boss Snyder Claims Dirt on NFL owners and Goodell. And what you know, what I want to do here is I just want to read the first couple of paragraphs so people get a sense of what some of this is about and then I c- carved out a bunch of the quotes and maybe you did as well. But let me just start off by reading the first few paragraphs from the story um, and then Tommy I'll let you uh, swing at it first. Um, it starts with Dan Snyder does this thing when he feels that he's cornered, say those who know him well. He paces in a hotel suite or on his super yacht or at Riverview, his $48 million Virginia estate. Cradling a drink in one hand, he tells members of his inner circle about the dirt he has accumulated on fellow owners, coaches, executives, even his own employees. All the stuff that he's learned from other sources, including private investigative firms. He never says exactly what he knows, only that in his 23 years as owner of the Washington Commanders, he knows a lot, and that in the zero-sum world of billionaires, this is how you survive. Snyder recently told a close associate that that he has gathered enough secrets to, quote, blow up several NFL owners, the league office, and even Commissioner Roger Goodell. Quote, he has said privately, they can't fuck with me. 
Senior team executives and confidants have heard him say it since he was considered merely one of the worst owners in sports. Now that he's facing investigations on multiple fronts and running out of high-powered allies, he alludes more than ever to the dirty work. Snyder, now 57, year old, 57 years old, has told associates he will not lose his beloved franchise without a fight that would end with multiple casualties. Quote, the NFL is a mafia, he recently told an associate. All the owners hate each other, closed quote. One veteran owner responded by saying, quote, that's not true. All the owners hate Dan, closed quote. Something has to give, possibly as soon as the NFL League meetings in New York on Tuesday. Many owners and top league execs tell ESPN they would like to see Snyder removed as owner. It would clean the slate for a storied team and a cherished fan base and reignite the pursuit for a desperately needed stadium. But there would be a price. That's the opening part of what is a very long story with just a lot of different sections and quotes that I cut out. But I'll let you uh, give your uh, thoughts on this story. We've both read it now, you know, start to finish. What did you think? Well, first of all, Snyder is wrong. The NFL is not a mafia. Because if the NFL were a mafia, <laughs> Snyder would be in a hole in the desert <laughs> by now. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be in a landfill in New Jersey. Somewhere, if the NFL was really like the mafia, so let's just clear that up right now. Uh, you're right. There's so much going on here. Uh, two thoughts come to mind. First of all, uh, I think this story illustrates something I've been saying for years: is I've always said the most important thing an NFL owner can do is get a stadium built. Yeah, it's really the most important job they have. And it's what the other owners look at in terms of a success. And it pretty much said in here so, at some point, if Snyder could get the stadium built, they, they pretty much would wash their hands and, and say, okay, he did his job, let's move on. Here's the, here's the line. Let me interrupt. Here's the line. When asked whether his fellow okay. owners would forgive Snyder for the team's financial woes and the toxic culture scandal if Snyder could build a new stadium, the owner another owner, quickly replied, yes. Asked if Snyder is aware of that, the owner said, yes. So you're yeah. right. They, I mean, and yeah. you, have, you have talked about this as the number one issue for Snyder more than any other, and that is build a new stadium and you'll be okay. Don't build a new stadium and you're going to have issues. Yeah, it, it makes all the other woes go away. Now, the other thing I think of here. Uh, is uh, these NFL owners who were cowering in fear of of Dan Snyder? I mean, these are men who built industries, at most of them, and businesses. Okay, who had to make bold decisions at some point in their lives, you know, and had to have a level of guts and and lack of fear. At some point, and I'm surprised that so many, you know, corporate uh, icons or bosses or whatever you would use the word would be so willing to be bullied. Because that's what we're talking about here. They're 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 sitting in a corner, cowering in fear of the big bully Dan Snyder, 
and I mean, how did they get to where they are? You know, I mean, it's a rip. I mean, it, I don't get that, and I'm not, I'm not sure. You know what it is? It's the fight or flight thing, in a way. You know, are, are the owners when they're when they're faced with this? Are they gonna Are they gonna run away or are they gonna fight? And most of these guys along the along, along their lives have probably fought, not run away. Yeah, there are two things though that I would I would say to you. Number one is, what are they hiding? You know, and how embarrassing is what they're hiding? Um, how personally embarrassing is is what they're hiding and what he may have on them? And then number two, Tommy, is this: we we live in different times. You know, there there is a culture right now where, you know, if if something comes out on somebody, it's not swept under the rug anymore. Even with these powerful, compet, highly competitive, you know, often successful in confrontation people, I I think that those are two factors. But I, I do agree with you on some level. It's like seriously, this guy, this guy is the guy. That's that's got you guys ca- cornered and cowering in fear. I mean, this Napoleonic complexed guy who is, you know, bullied lesser people. You're not lesser people. You wouldn't walk around the building after being told not to look at Mr. Snyder and not look at him. You would never call him Mr. Snyder. But that's where they are. They're afraid of either what might be found out about them and the level of, you know, either, you know, legal culpability or embarrassment. Um, and they understand that in this day and age, these things don't get swept under the rug um, and that you can lose everything you have uh, because of even accusation. I, I think that's part of it. I, but uh, but I on the same at, at the same time I'm like my God like this is not a guy that I, I I I've said this when we've had conversations in the past like about Trump. I've I've said to you before I can't believe that somebody at some point in time in New York of all places didn't go over a boardroom table and just beat the living snot out of him because bullies usually. That's what they get. They eventually get yeah. their ass kicked by somebody. And Snyder, you know, the irony about all of the stuff that happened last week with the letter to um, uh, to the House Oversight and Reform Committee, you know, and I've thought about this a lot. It all has to, they push back all on the sexual harassment stuff related to Snyder. You know what doesn't get pushed back on at all is the stuff that Goodell highlighted and emphasized very much when he levied the $10 million so-called fine and, you know, the request for him to step out of operations, you know, back in June of 2021, which was bullying and intimidation. That's who this guy is more than anything else. And it's just amazing to me that somebody like that, maybe he has and we just haven't heard about it, uh, hasn't just gotten his ass kicked at some point along the way, including by one of the other 31 owners. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would think so. I, again, I mean, you know, whether you admire them or despise them, these men have faced uh, situations where they've been cornered before, and most of them probably didn't back down. Nope. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that those are my 
uh, are, are two things that that come to mind for me. The um, the team uh, is the team is the story. The team is pushed back significantly on this story. Um, the, there, there's a statement from the team that has gone out to all of the beat reporters. Quote, it's hard to imagine a piece that is more categorically untrue and is clearly part of a well-funded two-year misinformation campaign to, coer- to coerce the sale of the team, which will continue to be unsuccessful, closed quote. And the, you know, there are representatives, including some of the lawyers that were part of the letter last week to Congress that are quoted in the, in the story um, at every point in which they believe that what's being asked of them or uh, to, to, to comment on is categorically untrue. Do you believe that this report is accurate? Yes, I, I believe it's accurate. Much more so than I would believe anything from the team. Uh, and you know what's interesting? There is a campaign to get them to sell the team. Yes. It's not hidden. I don't know if it's well-funded, but you believe me, baby, there's a campaign to get rid of Dan Snyder. Absolutely. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean it's an underhanded campaign. It doesn't mean it, it's, it's, it's some kind of devious campaign, but there's a campaign to get rid of them. Yeah. Um... So there, there's some, I, I, I can't read the whole story here. Like it's a long read and, and each section is really long, but I've, I, I've, I've looked at a couple of, uh, I've, I've highlighted a couple of the quotes that I, I wanted to read. I wanted to start with the end of this story because there's a football related stuff. Uh, there's football related material in here. Um, the very last part of this story, story reads, Snyder has for years told people close to him that both a new stadium and a true franchise quarterback are silver bullets. By the way, I do not agree with them on the stadium anymore. And remember when I was called out there uh, a, with La Famina to have a, a conversation, you know, when he first got in there. And, you know, he said, well, we just have to get a stadium. And we just had, and I said, I don't know if it's just the stadium anymore. And, and I don't, I I don't think it's just the stadium anymore. I think it's Snyder has to be gone, you know? And even then now with the loss of the name, it's still, I, I don't know if there are any silver bullets left now in terms of the team winning. Yeah. Franchise quarterback somehow would be, uh, would mask some of the issues on the field for a while, but we know what's happened when any kind of superstar player has been on the franchise. The owners got in the middle of it and messed it all up anyway. So as long as he's there, it's like we've said, it, we've had, we have to suspend reality to have these conversations about the football. But let me continue. Yeah. So um, Snyder's believe that a new stadium and a true franchise quarterback are silver bullets. Um, he told an associate last winter, All my problems will be solved if I can just get a marquee quarterback. And then the story continues. This past March, Washington traded second, third, and conditional third-round picks to the Colts for Carson Wentz, a quarterback who in 2017 appeared to be on the verge of being a superstar, but whose fortunes have since sunk. 
It was a stiff price for a soft market quarterback. All familiar marks of Snyder's penchant for overpaying and negotiating against only himself. I mean, he really has had this incredible run going back to, you know, him and Vinny together, um, you know, any of the, 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 the moves, the franchise. I mean, Bruce changed that. Bruce underpaid um, for, you know, uh, subpar, payers, but, subpar players. But Snyder, and, and, you know, in the Carson Wentz deal was a perfect example. My immediate reaction was, my God, who were you negotiating against? How did yeah. you give up this much and eat the salary? Um, anyway, it continues. Sources familiar with the deal say that it was Snyder who pushed for Wentz. And commander's football staffers have told people around the league as much. Quote, a source with knowledge of the inner workings of the deal. It was 100% a Dan move. Rivera insisted that he had brought the idea of acquiring Wentz to Dan and Tanya, who supported it. Quote, Rivera said at the time, they love this game and this team, closed quote. Hearing that Snyder hopes a marquee quarterback will chase away all of his problems, an owner laughed, quote, Carson Wentz? Question mark. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, there is no doubt that it's very possible that Dan was like, well, what about, you know, after the Russell Wilson thing fell through, well, what about Carson Wentz? I mean, he was so good in Philadelphia. Remember all those plays he made against us? Let's go get Carson Wentz. Don't worry about the price, Ron. Just get him. It's possible. But I think actually the football people were so desperate, too, to add any kind of quarterback. They needed to add some storyline for the offseason with the whole new brand. Well, I think, I think drafting a first quarterback in the first round would have done that. I do, too. I said that we both talked about that. Would would a yes. now Russell Wilson, you know, regardless of what we've seen from Russell Wilson this year, I mean, put yourself back into, you know, January, February, March timeframe. Russell Wilson would have been a home run for, you know, the new branding and the and getting people excited. You know, Russell Wilson would have been obviously Aaron Rodgers, but he wasn't available. Um, Deshaun Watson would have been a completely different story. But anyway, here's something else I wanted to to read. And this came late in the story because this is something that we've talked about when it comes to Snyder so many times over the years. When people close to Snyder are asked why he won't just move on with the multi-billion dollar fortune he'd earned from a sale, the answer is elemental. Quote, it's his identity, a source says. He's in, a, he's in an elite club full of glass houses. And Snyder not only has no shame, the source says, he simply doesn't care that he's hated. In fact, he revels in it. A senior executive who knows Snyder says, quote, I keep wondering, why is he still doing this? Why isn't he selling the team? There's no way out. There's no end game. That's his character flaw. He can't look in the mirror and see what everybody else sees. Closed well, quote. Well, here's the thing. He can't, if he looks in the mirror, he's not going to see an image because one won't exist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's what... That, we, it's if what, he looks in the mirror, he's not going to... There's not going to be anyone there looking back. I know. That kind usually doesn't... doesn't they, they don't show up in mirrors. Never. Hallmark of Vampires. a narcissist. Yeah. Um, but, uh, 
You know, so, the one somebody pointed out to me as uh, in terms of uh, possibilities, we just think, you know, you know, the possibilities don't exist for him to be gone. But you would have thought at one point that the possibility never existed that he would have changed the name. Well, I mean, you and I had a bet on it at one point. Now, I won the bet because you yeah. predicted it would happen yeah. by, I think, 2016, and it didn't happen by then. And, then, and by the way, in 2016, yeah. we started to get the newest polling information, and then we were all convinced it wasn't going to happen. But you know, Yeah, we, it was never going to happen but, once the post poll came out. Yeah, but we did have you know an odd period of time you know with a pandemic with what happened memorial day 2020 with george floyd and then what you got eventually with you know the incredible groundswell for these kinds of changes is you got corporate pressure you know from federal express from bank of america from pepsico etc and that ultimately was the game changer you know it wasn't that you know, liberals and, and progressives and non-Native Americans who had been carrying the torch for Native Americans who didn't even want the torch carried for them, you know, according to the polling. It wasn't them. They didn't do it. It was, it was Fred Smith saying, you better change the name or we're done. It was Bank of America and PepsiCo saying the same thing because they were finally getting pressure, real pressure, from their shareholders, and it was a, it was, it's, you know, I still believe, sorry, I still believe we're going to look back on all of this at some point and see how silly it was. I, when, when I watched the Chiefs the other night, when I was watching the Braves game last night, I'm still amazed, still amazed that the tomahawk chop and things like that didn't get swept up in all of this as well. Because that, to me, as I've said a million times going back 15 years, that's actually an open mocking of Native Americans. I don't understand how that continues to exist, and the Redskins don't have their name. Other than You're right. it's dictionary-defined right racist. Well, they should have gone for a second definition. Uh, there's a lot in here about the Jerry Jones and Dan Snyder relationship. So, you know, uh, according to more than 30 owners, league, and team executives, lawyers, and current and former commanders employees interviewed by ESPN, the fear of reprisal that Snyder has instilled in his franchise, poising it on the field and off, has expanded to some of his fellow owners. Multiple owners and league team sources say they've been told by Snyder, they've been told that Snyder instructed his law firms to hire private investigators to look into other owners and Goodell this is by the way a theme throughout just the whole notion that Snyder has been hiring all of these private investigators as we know to look into the various people that were you know uh, interviewed in the Wilkinson investigation the 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 1.6 million they they've got the story about the hush money offered to the 1.6 million dollar woman on the plane not to uh, go forward with the Wilkinson investigation. But um, here's one piece that I thought was really interesting. League sources say the NFL is aware that Snyder has claimed has claimed to be tracking owners, but none of the owners or sources would reveal how they've learned of Snyder's alleged effort to use private in- in- investigators. It's also unclear how many owners are said to have been targeted, though sources say they believe it's at least six. One owner was told by Snyder directly that he has, quote, dirt on Jerry Jones. Um, 
though the nature of the information was unclear. Another source confirmed that Snyder has told a confidant that he has a, quote, file on Jones. Of course, you know, Daniel, uh, uh, Jerry Jones has served as Snyder's friend, mentor, and longtime firewall of support. But there's more on the Jones um, relationship. Let me find it here. Here it is. Um, so uh, Snyder sees evil lurking in every shadow and around every corner. Someone is always out to get him. Snyder's fears might not be totally unfounded. Jerry Jones recently told confidants that he might not be able to protect Snyder any longer. Snyder has also badmouthed Jones, telling an owner recently, he's only out to get into your pocket. He'll sell you down the river. You can't trust him. A senior exec close to the owner said, Snyder's already lost Jerry, closed quote. That relationship, which, you know, we've all talked about for years, you know, Jerry's, Daniel's, you know, Dan Snyder's shield. I, I've heard for a couple of years now that that relationship isn't what it used to be. But, man, that picture, the Snyders wanted that picture yeah. out from two weeks ago. Yeah, that, that's included in the story as well uh, about, about the picture and, and making sure that it, it got out there. Now, the interesting thing about that, look, I – Based on, on the smoke that's been around, uh, you know, Jerry Jones for years, I have no doubt, very little doubt, that Snyder has, has a, a wealth of information about Jerry Jones that would be embarrassing. But Jerry Jones is 77 years old, okay? If certain things came out that would make his position untenable, he's not selling the team. No. He's just stepping down and his son runs the team. Stephen, right? You know, unless Dan, unless Dan has a has a dossier dossier on Stephen Jones as well. I haven't read anything to the same extent about Stephen that I have about Jerry. So I mean, like I'm sure Jerry wouldn't like it, but he is 77 years old. He's not like Dan Snyder, who's what, like 51, 52, 57. I don't know, 57. Yeah. So, uh, so I mean, it, it. You know, if everyone thinks that. The the thing the life uh, vote for Dan Snyder is the stuff he has on Jerry Jones. If push comes to shove, I don't think that'll be enough. Well, and this you know report says he's got stuff on at least six owners. Um, there's a quote from an owner in here also that I just uh, highlighted. This is what happens when you get into business with bad people. They know he'll burn their houses down. Closed quote. Um, so, you know, you mentioned the stuff about the stadium. Uh, there's all of the stuff that we've, you know, gone over over the last year about the attempt to, to, to get a stadium in, in all three jurisdictions and the, the more recent attempt where they seemed at one point to be close to getting something done in the state of Virginia. And then that was before that roundtable on February 3rd or February 2nd, right before the announcement of the new name and the new branding um, with the various women in front of, in front of the House and, and, and Oversight and Reform Committee. And then the whole thing fell apart. And there's this quote 
um, about just the whole back and forth with the Virginia uh, group because Dan initially had the support of the Senate Majority Leader and the House Appropriations Chair to sponsor the bill for the stadium, and then it fell apart. And there's a quote here that says, quote, How toxic do you have to be? to have the Senate Majority Leader and the House Appropriations Chair to sponsor your bill, and you can't even get a vote on it. Uh, So there's a lot of stuff in here about the stadium, and Tom nailed it at the beginning. This is really the piece that if somehow he were able to get a new stadium built, that maybe he could be saved if if he's legitimately in trouble all, you know, anyway. But Tommy, there's a there's a part in here that talks about the plans that aren't necessarily traditional to potentially get Dan Snyder out. If they can't get 24 votes, what will they do? Well, one thing is to not give him the ability to borrow money for a new stadium or give him the $200 million that pretty much is a you know, it is a slam dunk donation or investment from the league when teams go to build a new stadium. Almost every single organization gets $200 million from the league and the, and the league's owners as, a, as part of, uh, you know, the contribution to the new stadium. And they're talking about holding that back and holding back the debt waiver or changing that debt waiver uh, that they had had and not allowing him to borrow to build a new stadium. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's one possibility. And, you know, I mean, there's what I don't get. Like, I always thought Virginia was, was dead for numerous reasons. That even if he had gotten all the support that he claimed, he, that, that they claim in the st- in that article he could have gotten, the biggest thing that stands in the way in Virginia is not in my backyard. That's what killed Cook. Cook stood up there with, with Doug Wilder saying we're going to build a stadium right. in Potomac Yards, and that didn't happen. It, it, it kills almost every project in Virginia, uh, particularly northern Virginia, if we're still counting Woodbridge as, as northern Virginia. <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> So, uh, so again, I always thought Virginia was always going to be a non-starter. But, again, like now, it doesn't matter. Let's say this, this moves on and, you know, Snyder survives. Who's going to stand up there with him? What politician is going to stand with Dan Snyder when it comes to his local politician? I'm not talking about, you know, the federal government. If the Republicans take power in the House in January... Snyder obviously won't have to worry about the House uh, subcommittee, uh, House Committee on Oversight anymore. But local politicians stand with this guy? No. Nobody. Um, there's also a part of the story, and we'll, we'll get through this. You guys can read it. Um, but the uh, just the discussion about the business of the Washington football franchise here in Washington and how in in many ways many of the owners are more upset about the decline of the business of the football team in Washington than they are about any of the other stuff. Um, here's a quote. Uh, his gate is the lowest in the league. His revenues are significantly low and trending lower. He's costing 
um, you know, the owner's significant money. Uh, and then they talk about, you know, how the reduced ca- capacity has gone from 90,000 to 64,000 uh, this year. Um, and then there's um, a quote that a team spokesperson said that the team's pr- uh, business prospects have turned around. And, you know, J- Jason Wright made that pitch to all of the beat reporters during one of the preseason games this year, including a doubling of season ticket holders and a 30% increase in sponsorships. But owners said they haven't seen evidence of that improvement. Um, and then, uh, and then there's this whole thing on Jason Wright. Should we get into this? Cause this is just a whole I, other, let's, let's get into it. Let's get into it because, uh, when you have, uh, a, let's just say this before we start talking about Jason Wright, when you have a, a, a gang arrested, a moth, a group of mafia guys arrested, and only one of them walks away from the jail without any charges. <laughs> yeah. What do people? What do people think? Rat. Yes, that's what people think. So why are you saying whether that? it's true or not? That well, because Jason Wright comes off clean as a whistle in this story. <laughs> yeah, but then again, he hasn't been here long enough. And 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 basically, the part oh. of this story is that basically he doesn't have a vote in anything. Uh, let me let me let, let me read this part uh, part, and then we can do a little bit more on Jason Wright, and then we can we can move on to something else. In August 2020, Jason Wright, a former player and executive at McKinsey, was announced as team president. A historic hire came on the recommendation of the league office just weeks before the NFL took over the Wilkinson inquiry. They placed him, an executive with knowledge of the hire says, executives and owners who spoke with ESPN were happy for Wright, who they say is well-liked and well-qualified for the job. But they were livid that the league had tacitly aided a team that should have been punished for suspected violations of the Rooney Rule, which, by the way, they talk about in the hiring of Julie Donaldson and the elevation of Terry Bateman there briefly as going around the Rooney rule for executive hires. In the team statement to ESPN, Wright is quoted as saying that he knew the Snyders from previous consulting work and was hired as a result of that. I will tell you that that's what I heard when he was hired, is that the Snyders had worked with Jason uh, on a couple of other things, and they liked him. And maybe the league was involved in it too, but that the Snyders were in on Jason from the beginning. But let me read the rest of this paragraph or multiple paragraphs in its 1400 word statement to ESPN the team's new spokesperson extolled Wright's leadership for making the team's front office more diverse and inclusive and improving the team's culture um, and then it goes on and on about you know they, they've become remember the gold standard for inclusivity um, and uh, yeah. uh, in, in the NFL but owners, league, and commander sources tell ESPN they don't believe the team can truly be different as long as Snyder owns it and still runs it by issuing instructions on a team landline inside his Virginia mansion. They question whether Wright has actually been empowered to make change. Wright was supposed to be in charge of the stadium initiative, but after Snyder was punished by Goodell in the wake of the Wilkinson uh, investigation, he announced he, he would lead all stadium efforts, confusing local lawmakers who didn't know whom they should be talking to. Before he left the team last month for an executive position in private 
private equity, Greg Resch, the commander's former COO and a vital member of Snyder's inner circle, told executives at league meetings that he was in charge and dismissed Wright as a figurehead. In the team's statement, Resch denied making any such comments. Wright's influence was also in question during the DEA investigation into whether, into whether Washington's head trainer, Ryan Vermillion, was illegally dispensing narcotics, known around the team as the forgotten investigation. <laughs> <laughs> Not by me. Not uh, by me. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> known around the team as the forgotten investigation, because remember, we did kind of forget it there briefly, and then you brought it back. Don't forget. Don't forget about the DEA yeah. thing. Um, yeah. Sources say Wright and Chief People Officer, I didn't even, I think I remember talking about this title, Chief People Officer, Andre Chambers wanted to remove Vermillion in early 2021, months before the DEA raided Vermillion's home and the commander's facility, when then head team physician Robin West alleged um, that, well, it's not he, it was she. They wrote he in here. Robin West is female, right? Right, yeah. yeah. She was being verbally abusive toward her and other staff. But when they raised Vermillion's behavior with head coach Ron Rivera, he refused to fire the trainer, making making clear it was his call. Snyder, desperate for stability, had given Rivera power over all football operations when he was hired in 2020. Wright told people in the organization, quote, our hands are tied. Now, a team spokesperson denied that Wright made that statement. Um... So there you go. Wright has privately told associates, according to the story, that he feels he can't enact serious cultural change until the ownership situation is resolved. Executives around the league believe that Wright has hired good people in Washington only to watch them leave for the same reasons they always seem to leave the culture. Vice President of Corporate Communications Ashley Whitlock and Senior VP of External Affairs and Communications Julie uh, Jensen, two of the team's most visible women employees, have left the team within the past year. Um, anyway, it's amazing. I don't know. Yeah. Why don't we just ask each other the question we always ask when one of these things comes out? Is this the one? What do we feel? Percent chance he's the owner um, by, let's just say, within two years? I think less than 50%. God, I hope you're right. Uh, I, th- I think less than 50%, because we, we don't know. You know, I mean, the things they didn't get to. Look, I, I may be grasping at a straw here. I, know. I acknowledge that. The attorney generals. Okay. In Virginia, in particular, Virginia had a Republican governor. A Republican attorney general and Jason Meares had just been elected to office. The state was in the middle of of negotiating with the team for a new stadium. And who was the attorney general who jumped at the chance to investigate the team when, when the FTC letter, when the letter from the committee to the FTC was sent out to people? It was Virginia. Now, initially, some of the Snyder critics thought, well, this is just to clear Snyder's name, because why, why would a Republican attorney general in a state where they're trying to get the stadium built, you know, really go after Snyder. This would just be a whitewash investigation that Snyder could use. But, uh, you know, this is going on for a long time. 
and nothing's come of it yet. And like I pointed out to people, Jason Meares, the guy who got him started in politics, who's a close friend and advisor of him, is George Allen, right. Bruce Allen's brother. Yep. And I don't know if there's any bit more bitter feud right now exists on the, on the sports landscape than Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder. Well, that brings up one thing. I, I think you've... I think the stadium thing, which you have, you know, pushed all along, um, I think that's the best chance for his undoing. That all three jurisdictions refused to work with him, which you know, let's really push for here as much as we can, as much influence as this podcast ha- has. Please, Virginia, D.C., and Maryland, don't do anything to help him build a new stadium. Not one penny. Not one penny to him. But that doesn't mean that he can't build a new stadium right next to FedEx, which is where he owns all of that land. But if the league denies, you know, the typical participation levels that they're involved in in helping him build a stadium, uh, you know, he's got a sinking franchise. I mean, it's sinking right now, but now he's got, you know, one of those two silver bullets, the quarterback in the new stadium. He, he can't build one. So that's one piece um, the other is just um, the uh, oh the other the other thought that I had in something we didn't touch on with respect to the story is there is a suspicion as there has been this isn't really a big reveal that Snyder or someone in the Snyder camp was the source of the leaked emails that buried Bruce Allen but took John Gruden with them but it really didn't. Barry Bruce Allen. It kind of backfired on Snyder, as we know, because that's when all of a sudden we got the House Oversight and Reform Committee involved. And every, every, it, 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 like right. we said at the time, my God, I mean, this thing was starting to kind of go away. It was in season. And then here comes this, you know, it was about a year ago. It was October of last year. Um, and now everybody's back on this thing. Um, he does this to himself all the time. You know, he makes these impulsive decisions that just backfire. Um, but, um, there's a quote here uh, that half half dozen a half a dozen owners and league executives say they believe that the leaks occurred on Snyder's order or with his blessing. So you know when when this Gruden thing comes to trial, it'll be interesting to see if the owners can put up with the fact that Snyder leaked this, if in fact he did. And then there's this other quote: Some owners aren't liked in their cities because their team is losing. One veteran owner explained. That goes with the territory. Snyder isn't liked because of what he has done to that franchise with all its history. The stadium is falling apart. The team is underperforming. He can't get a new stadium. There's no way out. He may have, he may have passed the point of no return. Closed quote. So we'll see. But Snyder's point is, if he is, if he is he's taken people down with him. Yep which is, you know, the number one reason we've always felt that he isn't gone already. Because we've all known for a long period of time that he's not well-liked and that they really want some new ownership in Washington. And it's, you know, it's a franchise that's important to the league that he's ruined. Uh, You know what's interesting? What? What's interesting, it really has come down to what we always thought. But what we always thought seemed like such a simple explanation you know, a simple, such a simple and obvious explanation that that couldn't be the case, that there had to be something more going on. 
I mean, because, I mean, a guy on the street could say, well, the owners are worried about what Snyder will dig up on them. In other words, you didn't have to be an, an ESPN investigative reporter to come up with that conclusion. But who knew it turned out to be true? Yeah, but I think because we've been living this drama, we understood from the beginning the vindictiveness, the pettiness, the litigiousness of this person. And that he would, and he's totally the type that would go scorched earth if somebody tried to take this team away from him. You know, I've obviously asked the question with you and I on this podcast in recent years, why would he want to own it? And, you know, does at some point, isn't he going to look at his family and say, I can't put you guys through this anymore? We're the most despised family in the history of this town. And it's not your fault. You know, the kids apparently are wonderful, I've heard. Nothing but great things over the years about them. You know, Tanya must be a wonderful mother. Maybe he's a great father. I don't want to personally attack him for that. I have no idea. But you cannot dispute the fact that in the history of our city, taking politicians out of the equation, taking Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton out of the equation, <laughs> you, you can't dispute the fact that he's the most despised person in the history of our town. And yet yeah. he wants to stay here. But as one of the quotes said, he revels in being hated. But does his family revel in having their husband and father this despised? He could get over $6 billion for this team and go away and give everybody who remembers the glory days, not our 21-year-old you know, uh, Apple podcast reviewer, um, but for, for those of us, like, you know, give us our team back. And it's not even going to feel like our team because of the new name. I mean, that's where I'm, I'm not even sure I could even get on board when he is gone, if he's gone. But it's just, it sucks to, be, to, to, to have the memories and to remember how important it used to be and to know that, you know, I don't know, you get to a certain age and it's probably never going to be that important again. And that may be just age-related, but it's just never going to happen. We have to, every single day on this podcast when talking football, we have to suspend reality as long as he's the owner. Well, let's get back to football, Kevin, because there's some breaking news right now when it comes to the commanders and actual football. Really? There is? Yeah. Okay. Well, can we take a break before we get to that? Let's do that. Uh, We'll get to whatever this breaking news is right after these words from a few of our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. 
All right, this final segment of the show today is presented by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code, KevinDC. They'll match your first deposit, dollar for dollar, all the way up to $1,000. MyBookie's fair, uh, fair pricing, very fair pricing. For those of you that you know have some of these new shops where they're charging extraordinary pricing on VIGs, on you know what you pay on a loss, instead of paying minus 110, you're paying minus 120. So on a $10 bet, you're not paying $11 on a loss, you're paying $12 on a loss. On a $100 bet, you're paying 120 on a loss, not 110. My bookie is fair when it comes to that. Uh, their pricing, their VIGs, uh, everything uh, works well. Use my promo code, KevinDC, and you'll get uh, a double deposit. Uh, by the way, right, right now, the Bears and Commanders at my bookie pick them, and the total's at 38. 38. Uh, there is breaking news. Tommy saw it before I did. Ian Rappaport has it. Mike Garofalo uh, has it. Uh, and it's real simple. William Jackson, who didn't make the trip to Chicago and who has clearly been benched here in Washington, um, apparently wants a fresh start and wants to be traded. Sources say that Jackson would like a new home and the commanders have engaged in active trade talks centered around him with hopes of making that happen. There has been interest in Jackson from several teams. Sources say the trade, uh, the trade deadline, by the way, is November 1st, man. I, um, big whiff, a big free agent whiff there, boy. When they signed him, I said that that's a lot of money for William Jackson, for a guy that there wasn't a lot of action on, and his own team had zero interest in re-signing him. I would really be curious as to how many teams are really involved and what Washington could get back for him. I don't think it's going to be that much. There wasn't a lot of interest in him as a free agent, except for Washington, and I don't know. To me, this reeks of like conditional fifth rounder, at best. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. So um, you know, we've seen this coming for for a while. He was not good on the field this year. The whole idea of he was a man corner and he wasn't a good zone corner. So why did you sign him in the first place? Okay, there's some truth to that. But they did that with Josh Norman too, right? Um, and. Uh, uh, they they played him out of position. I do like Benjamin St. Juice a lot, and we'll see whether or not they have um, a nickel corner in this dude, Wild Goose. <laughs> we'll, 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 we get a, we get plenty of time to see him uh, the rest of the year, as as well as some of the young guys um, who they drafted. Okay, anything else? What you uh, did you watch any of the baseball well, playoffs last night at Shelley's? I watched I watched uh, the Padres and the Dodgers last night. Uh, Padres came back with an impressive uh, pitching performance, but particularly by their bullpen, who I think went like six or seven innings without allowing a run, uh, and uh, won the game five to three to even the series at one apiece. Uh, so yeah, I watched that, and uh, today. You've got the Mariners and the Astros, and tonight the Guardians and the Yankees. Yeah, I think the Yankees game, there's a lot of rain in the forecast. Um, I'm pretty sure yeah, for that is. one. Uh, yeah. So I watched uh, a lot of baseball last night. I watched the Braves and the Phillies, which was an incredible pitching matchup through five innings. Um, it was 
you know, Kyle Wright and, and Zach Wheeler had it going last night. I, I think at that point, Wheeler had a one-hitter going into the sixth inning, and Kyle Wright may have been given up two hits. One was a double by Bryce Harper. Harper really has it dialed in. Even, even his outs last night um, were, was a deep shot just to the wall, uh, deep on the warning track. Um, but, Tommy, I don't know if you saw this, but they got to the sixth inning. It's nothing to nothing. Um, and Zach Wheeler, I think, at that point, you know, has given up one hit. And he's got two outs. And up comes Acuna Jr., and he hits him with a, with a pitch. And Acuna Jr. was injured. And there was a several-minute, like a 10-minute delay in the game. And it totally threw Wheeler off. Next batter he walked, then three straight singles, and they're down 3 nothing, And it's like the game's over at that point. He was pitching so well, and this delay clearly threw him off. By, by the way, Acuna Jr. stayed in the game. And Kyle Wright was brilliant um, last night. Uh, and the Braves won 3 nothing, and that series is even up. I'm really rooting for the Phillies. I, I want to just see – I want to continue to watch Harper play. He's been really good so far in the four postseason games. And then I did watch the Dodgers game. I, I did fall asleep uh, when it was 3-3. Three to three. Um, or it was 4-3 at that point. Kershaw really struggled last night. You know, he got through five innings and ultimately only gave up three earned runs. But, man, he, he seemed to be in trouble in almost every inning last night. Uh, he just did not have his best stuff last night. So that series is 1-1. I did notice that Josh Bell was out of the lineup for the Padres. Did he get hurt the other day? I don't know. I think he may yeah, have. Yeah, that's true. I don't know what the reason was. I think he may have gotten hurt, uh, I, and I just missed that as part of the uh, the last couple of days. But Soto was one for five um, in the game, and Trey Turner had a home run last night for the Dodgers. Uh, had a solo shot to even up the game at but three. But he also he also had a miscue at uh, shortstop. He shuffled past shuffled past the ball to second base uh, on a play to, to get the force out. At second, and he didn't get it. The guy came in safe, hmm. and that wound up costing them. So, well, you know what? These best of fives, and they've remained best of fives in the division series for years. Even though you know the NBA and the NHL long ago went from those first round best of fives to best of sevens. I mean, it's more money, you know, when you add. Uh, more games. Um, and I kind of wish these series were best of sevens because sometimes they can be over so quickly. You know, because unlike baseball and hockey that play every other day when you get to the postseason, and in the case of the NBA, sometimes it's every third day. You know, baseball, they're pretty much pl- playing every day. And it's funny how over the years you get so excited for the baseball postseason and somebody, you know, some teams had a great year to make the postseason and it can literally be over in three days. You know, if you get, if yes, you lose you three in a row, so I'd like to see uh, all of these series extended. And right now in the National League, you've got two one ones, so they're at least going to Game Four there. And uh, you know, I, I don't know if you saw the Alvarez home run the other night. Did you know, by the way, that that was the first walk off game winning home run by a team trailing in the postseason with two outs? since the Joe Carter homer in 93 in the World Series ended it for Toronto. Well, I can believe that, because that that's a memorable home run. And by the way, I was in the press box when Joe Carter hit that home run. I remember you telling me that. 
Yeah. I don't know. It I just was in Toronto. Seems like there would have been more than just one in tw- in, in 29 years of, you know, a walk-off home well, run with a team go back trailing. Before that, you, you got to go back to Bill Mazarowski in 1960 with the, with the, the Pirates. Pirates before that. Yeah. Yeah, I, so I, I would assume there have been. A, I would assume there have been plenty of walk-off home runs with less than two outs in the bottom of the ninth or yeah. bottom of, the, of an extra inning. But this is the, this one. The other night was the first one with two outs with the team trailing in the game. Uh, and man, did you see? Did you? I know you're rooting for Dusty Baker. Did you see Dusty's reaction? He was jumping yeah. all over I, people on the field. I, I loved it. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, he's got a lot of enthusiasm for the game. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, and he connects with his players. One last thing. Yes. Before we go, about the Dan Snyder story, I tweeted this out after I read first read it. Think about how devastating this is for Skipper Dan. ESPN is a business partner with the NFL. They paid the lead two point six billion dollars last year. Mm-hmm. And yet they felt, and I'm not saying the business side and the editorial side are connected, okay? And, you know, no one's, no one's telling Don Van Atta what to do. But it is pretty interesting that they are business partners, and they felt so empowered to go after an NFL owner like this guy does, like, like they did here. I think it speaks to possibly the perceived lack of power that Snyder has. Yeah. You know, Let's remember, and, the, and, league is, the, the, the league is, and ESPN are not above you know, squashing editorial de- uh, uh, decisions. Uh, the league was all in on a concussion documentary until they decided they didn't like it, and they pulled out of the League of Denial documentary at the last minute that ESPN had been doing. Uh, so it happens from time to time, but I think to go after an NFL owner like this, I think the perception is probably in the corporate boardroom at ESPN that this guy has no power. And yet, you know, you wonder how much he really feels this. You know, for somebody like him, uh, his his main priority might be that somebody makes sure that he's referred to as Mr. Snyder in the story. <laughs> Or that somebody yeah. could somebody please just you know uh, backdate a note and send me a note from Bruce Allen congratulating me on trading for Carson Wentz. I mean, this like the list. One of these days, I wish I could just compile the list of things that we have seen reported by you know qualified and capable reporters about just his level of narcissism and pettiness. It's it's amazing. And see, that's the point. That's the point of the nicknames. It's to diminish these people, right? Skip, it's to bring them Skipper down. Dan. Skipper Dan, the sailing man. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll see where this one goes. There's a game tonight. Uh, I will be back tomorrow. By the way, I'd urge uh, all of you that Miss Cooley's film breakdown tomorrow to go back and listen to it. There's just the the part, especially on the last drive and the last three plays in particular, was excellent. Also, by the way, Joe Beninati was so good. Um, he's always one of my favorite people to have on the radio show or the podcast. And some of that conversation, even though the Caps have already opened up their season, is still totally applicable uh, today. Um, but I will be back with Cooley tomorrow uh, to break down uh, the Washington-Chicago game tonight on Amazon Prime uh, in 4K, hopefully. All right, Tommy, see ya.
Okay, boss. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.